Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, drop a like, leave a comment, let me know how I'm doing as I bring you interesting content each and every week. Uh, very special guest today. Uh, my guest is producer and filmmaker Drew Holly. His latest project, Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts, recounts the complicated legacy of African-American soldiers who sought a better life in the United States Army after the Civil War. Drew is also the founder of Black Ball Films. Uh, one of the goals of Black Ball Films is to provide an answer to the lack of diversity and underrepresentation in the film industry. Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts premieres on June 12th on PBS and June 19th on World. Drew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Edric. Happy to be here. Appreciate you coming on. Um, let's get right into it. So Buffalo Soldiers is such an iconic chapter in American history. Um, what motivated you to want to tell this story, uh, especially in, in you know today's times, 2023? So I started this project in summer, Juneteenth to be exact, 2018. I was taking my daughter. Um, I was actually volunteering for the Langston Hughes Juneteenth Festival. They had a festival every year. I have volunteered previous for their film festival and, uh, you know, just followed up like, well, do you need any more help? Uh, the reason I was volunteering is to kind of get uh, familiar with this new film, Black film community. I have moved I'm a transplant from Denver, Colorado, uh, up to the Seattle area. Um, while I was there getting some footage of the festival, and at that time it wasn't well attended, right? And that was something I was thinking, like, man, I should do a documentary about Juneteenth and the history of Juneteenth. Because people have forgotten about Juneteenth. And this was just like, what, five years ago, and now it's a national holiday. Um, so I brought my little girl with me. She was six at the time. And after a while, you know, while I was getting footage, she checked out the festival. And then I heard her say, ooh, horses. Hmm. Uh, I looked up from my camera and I seen this uh, all-black regiment galloping up the hill on horseback straight out of the 19th century. Um, I was, you know, I was in awe. My my daughter was then like, who are they, daddy? <laughs> and, I, and I was stumped for a moment. Like, who, man, who are these fellas? Then suddenly it dawned on me. I said, I think these are the Buffalo Soldiers. I was a little sad that she had, you know, that she probably wasn't going to be taught this history and that I had, I had forgotten this history. Um, so being the filmmaker that I was, um, uh, you know, I went, this direction uh, as a elder in my community to continue to pass the baton and to pass down the story <laughs> to my daughter and other youth. I imagine uh, putting together a documentary like this takes a lot of research and, um, you know, talking to people, talking to scholars. So um, what were some of the materials you used, primary source materials? I mean, were there things like journals, diaries? Uh, and if so, what were some of the things that really stood out to you that people may not uh, be aware of about about the history of the Buffalo Soldiers? Yeah, we use a lot of uh, General Charles Young, who was a colonel at the time. He had just recently been promoted after his death 50 years later to Brigadier General. You know, he had a lot of material. Uh, the 
and and there was a few diaries uh, in the in the Pacific as we were in um, Panama and Guam. Uh, there was also some uh, journals from um, the wives of of officers where the Buffalo Soldier's name was first mentioned and uh, in, in, in a publication. Um, so, but unfortunately, um, a lot of these these this uh, black soldier in the military is collectibles, uh, and collectors have them in their personal uh, portfolio. So finding this material wasn't easy, uh, right? And but thank God for men like Anthony Powell, uh, who has his own amazing connection uh, collection, and he was able to supply us with a, a you know, a, a lot of images, a lot of journals. Um, we have some of Moses Williams and Kathy Williams, actually their medical records and um, uh, re-enlistment and uh, uh, what's the word, uh, where, they, where they left the military. The oh, discharge. Of- Discharge, yeah. Hmm. Um, I imagine uh, when you started, you said in 2018, and here we are in 2023. And I kind of alluded to it in uh, in my question, uh, and we talked a little bit about it before we came on. Um, there are elements now that actually don't want these types of stories being told, and are actively seeking to erase uh, this history. So, um, as you were making this film, uh, and as you look at it today, you know, with some people who are act- literally trying to discredit or devalue Black history, uh, which is American history, um, how do how do you approach it now, knowing that this is such an important piece that, and story that needs to be told? You know, I very much am honored to be on the fight of getting uh, this American history, this lost American history, out to the masses. Um, you know, it's a uh, and and at at a uh, time like this, uh, such you know, this history is being so politicized. Um, we have, you know, I live in a small community, Vancouver, Washington, which is right across the the you know the Columbia to Portland, and this community is a bit more you know on the conservative side. Um, during the time during I was making it, I think they wanted to focus more on the patriotism, right? So they was I was able to raise some money over here. Um, I'm not sure today if they would have those same opinions with the, with the way that uh, this history is trying to be, um, you know, stifled. Uh, even the platform that you're on, and congratulations on being on PBS. I mean, that's a uh... You know, PBS is iconic. Uh, I'm a Sesame Street kid. I mean, PBS has been part of my life for a long time. Uh, it's the network of Ken Burns. And so um, how did it feel when you realized and knew that that this was going to be uh, on PBS? You know, that was the the mission the whole time, right? This was an educational film. I could have made a more contemporary film and followed the Buffalo Soldiers of Seattle living history group which is an amazing group and was actually my muses and they they're they're part of the reenactment parts of the film but to have it uh you know broadcast across the nation on pbs is definitely a dream come true that was the plan from the beginning it was a long treacherous 
journey. And, uh, and I'm thankful that we made it through. And I'm overjoyed that it's, it's, I can wash my hands and allow that to go, uh, that child that I raised to go be a part of the world. <laughs> Um, and um, I'm going to give a quick shout out. My, I'm blessed that my father is still part of my life. He's 83 years old and growing up. One of the things that he often and still likes to watch are those cowboy movies from back in the day. And so there seems to be this, um, for men of his generation, there's this affinity for wild Western frontierism. And he always used to tell me about the Buffalo soldiers. So what has been the response of, uh, some of the people who may have screened it already, especially some of the folks from the older generation, who um, I would imagine this uh, brings out a little bit of pride and, and um, you know, historical truth. Uh, you know, so that's been one of the most rewarding parts of this, this project, right, is getting to take it out. And for that generation specifically, we don't think of our elder Black men as an audience, but they are. Right? They are. They are. Right. And and as, although we were trying to aim it at a younger generation, we are getting, you know, amazing support from our older uh, black male audience. And like, you know, and, and we made it for them as well. Right. And that's just something that they can honestly relate to. So, yeah, that's been one of the most rewarding parts. Um, we A lot of people have been super complimentary. Right. Uh, we've done everything from Omzi. Uh, Oregon Science Museum Institute to up in Port Angeles, you know, three hours north of Seattle to high schools all over the place. And, you know, the responses vary. Uh, but the overall arch is that people are, you know, uh, very uh, happy with the project. Uh, and and we, we did receive a review uh, that you know, that still I still think about, right? And it wasn't the best review. It was from Film Right, and we got a they and they said a lot of complimentary things. But the thing that stuck out to me, they was like, "What's the difference between Buffalo Soldiers fighting on two fronts?" And the and the um, the movie that your teacher put on once you in seventh grade once she runs out of uh, the men who built America, mm -hmm. and I was first taken back, like, "Oh man, that's." That's, that's rough. But then, you know, after I took some time to process it, I, I reconsidered that, you know, at first I'm honored to be in the same breath as the men that built America. That's what's actually one of my inspirations while making this project. And two, this film is supposed to be in that seventh grade class because we don't have anything else. So people are being raised and tell why didn't they teach us in this in school? So this is that resource that should be in those schools so people don't have the same lack of uh, understanding of the Black experience in the military. Um, you, okay. um, you titled it Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts. And the, the notion of fighting on two fronts is something that has been carried on from generation to generation of Black soldier from Revolutionary War times, Buffalo Soldiers, Civil War, World War One, World War Two, the double V um, uh, situation where victory against fascism, victory against racism at home. And there seems to be this theme that is carried on throughout the history of black soldiers. Um, can you speak to the challenge that black soldiers face, uh, maybe particularly with the Buffalo soldiers, in that not only were they fighting for, you know, a notion of a nation, 
but they're also trying to fight for just basic freedoms and dignity as human beings. Yeah, we we struggled with that title um, of the film for a long time. We couldn't just name it Buffalo Soldiers, right? It needed a, a subtitle. And, the, you know, the thing that kept jumping out to us, and even Shelton Johnson, Ranger Shelton Johnson, says it in an interview. He was like, uh, these men were always fighting on two fronts. They're fighting who the commander says they have to go fight, and they're also fighting the commander, right? They're dealing with, these are former sharecroppers, uh, the actual Buffalo soldiers, the veterans of the Indian War were sharecroppers, right? Um, sons and daughters of slaves, right? And mm -hmm. getting the opportunity to make more than they have ever seen or their family had ever seen and not be in the field was a huge opportunity for them. Um, so Buffalo soldiers fighting on two fronts. Um, it just, it honestly came naturally and, and it was just right in our face the whole time. <laughs> People even tried to sway us to call it Buffalo soldiers fighting for survival because, you know, the first thing they would think about is the Bob Marley song, song. right? <laughs> <laughs> but we resisted. <laughs> Congrats, man. Good move. Good move. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that, um, the pressure of people trying to put their stamp on a film like this, um, especially for, for, you know, filmmakers of color is immense. Um, were there other types of pressure put on you or other ways that people were trying to get you to maybe change some things, some of the narrative? You know, the Buffalo soldiers involvement in the Indian wars was something when I first started out the film that I wasn't particularly aware of, to be honest with you. And that learned, and I learned that very early on and during the course of making this, of course. Um, and it was something that I believe everybody wanted to make sure that I stay honest about, right? And it was a, it was a definitely a, a elephant in the room that needed to be uh, discussed. But it, 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 all it does is open up that discussion, right? This was a different, more complex time. Um, yeah, you know. You have editors. I went through three different editors. They all had their own style and opinions and and producers, right, who wanted to add their input. And so to keep your own, you know, again, we wanted to make something that would not be old next year. If we make mm. something more contemporary now, then next year it seems, you know, it's old. We got mask on now wear masks last year right so to in, in a couple of years it's like oh yeah that's back in COVID we wanted this film to be something that would be a resource to be able to use as long as the technology is there uh, for 10 to 20 years uh, another aspect is uh, you were giving me a little advice before we came on about having a team and so uh, in addition to yourself as being the producer and the filmmaker who are some of the folks on your team uh, that helped you get this project complete Yo, know, it's, it's too many to list. We have, you know what I mean, 30 different people that worked on this project from our producer, Deborah Simon, uh, to my editor, Dan Evans, um, to my research producer, Dave Hedberg, right, was critical. Uh, my creative director, Ayana Albina. I just butchered her name, <laughs> Ayana. <laughs> 
Amanda, Amanda, excuse me. So yeah, all these people were critical in, in making this project. Um, <clears throat> one thing I learned when I when I was transplanted back here to when I transplanted to the Pacific Northwest, I was a one man band in Colorado. I was making web videos. It was you know I wasn't making enough. You know I wasn't making a lot of money. And the projects, you could tell they wasn't great because I was I was trying to do everything. Coming up to the Pacific Northwest, I got a chance to take like two steps back and I became a production assistant, mm. right? It's not trying to make my own film. I was working on the overall Amazon commercial or web commercial or something like that. But these were like hundreds of thousand dollar commercials. Right. <laughs> and they have... They have people who are experts in their part. So I was able to see how a real behind the scenes, how these really sets work and operate. And, you know, and I was able, and I was able to transfer that into my company, Blackball Film, and into the work of Buffalo Soldiers Fighting on Two Fronts. Uh, let's talk about Blackball Films. Uh, first of all, where did your love for filmmaking and and uh, doing this type of work come from? Where'd you grow up? And then um, add to that, tell me about Blackball Films. So, I remember very early on in my life, I was able to watch TV, and I've always loved TV. But there was a point where I was able to start to see that these people were acting, and that this show wasn't real life; that it was a a show, and I was able to see behind the the performance, right? Mm -hmm. I was able to see the set very early on. And I remember in high school was my first opportunity at directing and it was um it was some like stage some Christmas talent show where I was <laughs> where I you know, my class against the other classes and we had to come up with a skit and you know the best skit one and now you know and i and i wrote the skit came up with the idea and was kind of the behind the scenes uh like yo let's put you here this is what the story's about and actually i think i played the main character <laughs> at that time what's the what's the the um reign there but we got second place there was out of the three classes so that was my first jumping into directing and kind of understanding the behind the camera world. And what was the other question? Uh, tell me about Blackball Films, your company. So Blackball Films, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest where our community, our black film community is limited. Um, but what I notice, and I, I could be guilty of it myself, is that as in our in our black community altogether, we're not aware of all the many positions that it takes to make a film, right? We want to be director or producer, not recognizing that there is actual livings in hair and makeup and craft services and location scouting. To you know what I mean? There are, mm -hmm. are like a million jobs, and we only got, got like a narrow focus because we're not aware of these other different positions that we um, that we would excel in. So Black Ball is an opportunity to not only 
give our people and start to make our own economic dependency dependence in the work that we want to do, such as if somebody's interested in film, understanding that that's the that more than director and producers that there's other work to be done and that we need those people in those spots. Otherwise, our sets are all white. Hmm. So, blackball film is the answer to the lack of diversity and in the film production uh, world. Uh, you mentioned it took five years to get this project uh, onto PBS. Uh, again, it'll be airing on June 12th on PBS and June 19th on World. Uh, what's next for Drew Holly and Blackball Films? What's your next project you're working on? So we're, you know, um, we're working on a number of things, but the major uh, next documentary that I'm working on is New Slave right here it's about the prison industrial complex and the use for uh crime use of punishment use of excuse me profit for punishment mm-hmm. um you know seven thousand different major corporations make um millions of dollars on inmates while exporting their labor you're only paying them you know pennies 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 for you know pennies on the dime mm-hmm. for example exactly. my cousin right who was in prison in colorado he was on a camp or a farm or wherever they call the the prisoners there and they wanted him to to wrangle wild horses and he had to <laughs> sign he had to sign a paper to say that if he could kill or maim while wrangling these wild horses indemnification right he cannot be. He can't sue, or his family come after them. Wow! And if he didn't do it, then he was going to be punished. Mm-hmm. How does that? What is that? Slavery, man. Slavery. We know what it is. Know what it is. No we slaves. know what it is. Soon. Stay tuned. We'll be looking out for that, and when it drops, or you know, hopefully, I can have you back on again, man. I really appreciate talking to you today. Uh, if people want more information about Blackball Films, uh, where can they go? Go to blackballfilms.com um, or buffalosoldiersmovie.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Drew Holly. Excellent. 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 Well, again, Drew, I want to thank you for, for coming on the Edric Show today. Uh, we really appreciate the work you've done, the, the importance of putting this history out, particularly in today's context, because it is real. People are literally trying to erase the contributions of African-Americans to American history. And it's time we stand strong and films like you, yours will do just that. So thank you so much for putting this project together. Thank you, Edric. Thank you for having us. And thank you for putting the word out on the, on the project. I hope everybody check it out. You are very welcome. This has been another edition of the Edric show. My guest has been Drew Holly, filmmaker and producer, his latest project, Buffalo soldiers fighting on two fronts will premiere on PBS on June 12th and on June 19th on World. I am your host, Edric Jerome. As always, this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. I want to thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.